mouthfuls before tears interrupted her, and sleep seeming to be her likeliest friend, she was taken to finish her sorrows in bed. This is not a very promising beginning, said Mrs. Norris, when Fanny had left the room. After all that I said to her as we came along, I thought she would have behaved better. I told her how much might depend upon her acquitting herself well at first. I wish there may not be a little sulkiness of temper. Her poor mother had a good deal. But we must make allowances for such a child, and I do not know that her being sorry to leave her home is really against her. For, with all its faults, it was her home, and she cannot as yet understand how much she has changed for the better. But then there is moderation in all things. It required a longer time, however, than Mrs. Norris was inclined to allow, to reconcile Fanny to the novelty of Mansfield Park, and the separation from everybody she had been used to. Her feelings were very acute, and too little understood to be properly attended to. Nobody meant to be unkind, but nobody put themselves out of their way to secure her comfort. The holiday allowed to the Miss Bertrams the next day, on purpose to afford leisure for getting acquainted with and entertaining their young cousin, produced little union. They could not but hold her cheap on finding that she had but two sashes and had never learned French, and when they perceived her to be little struck with the duet they were so good as to play, they could do no more than make her a generous present of some of their least valued toys and leave her to herself while they adjourned to whatever might be the favourite holiday sport of the moment, making artificial flowers or wasting gold paper. Fanny, whether near or from her cousins, whether in the schoolroom, the drawing-room or the shrubbery, was equally forlorn, finding something to fear in every person and place. She was disheartened by Lady Bertram's silence, awed by Sir Thomas's grave looks, and quite overcome by Mrs. Norris's admonitions. Her elder cousins mortified her by reflections on her size, and abashed her by noticing her shyness. Miss Lee wondered at her ignorance, and the maid-servants sneered at her clothes, and when to these sorrows was added the idea of the brothers and sisters among whom she had always been important, as playfellow, instructress, and nurse, the despondence that sunk her little heart was severe. The grandeur of the house astonished, but could not console her. The rooms were too large for her to move in, with ease. Whatever she touched, she expected to injure, and she crept about in constant terror of something or other, often retreating towards her own chamber to cry, and the little girl, who was spoken of in the drawing-room when she left it at night, as seeming so desirably sensible of her peculiar good fortune, ended every day's sorrows by sobbing herself to sleep. A week had passed in this way, and no suspicion of it conveyed by her quiet, passive manner, when she was found one morning by her cousin Edmund, the youngest of the sons, sitting crying on the attic stairs. "'My dear little cousin,' said he with all the gentleness of an excellent nature, "'what can be the matter? 
and sitting down by her, he was at great pains to overcome her shame in being so surprised and persuade her to speak openly. Was she ill? Or was anybody angry with her? Or had she quarrelled with Maria and Julia? Or was she puzzled about anything in her lesson that he could explain? Did she, in short, want anything he could possibly get her or do for her? For a long while, no answer could be obtained beyond a, No, no, not at all, no, thank you. But he still persevered, and no sooner had he begun to revert to her own home than her increased sobs explained to him where the grievance lay. He tried to console her. You are sorry to leave Mamma, my dear little Fanny.